Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Be Kind to Your Mind podcast. I am your host, Rachel Bell, and my guest joining me on today's show is Honeybee. As always, my hope is that together we will have an honest and real conversation about mental health and wellness and your life experiences. Please know that this is a safe space to share, listen, learn and evolve in our lives and break down the barriers in our minds together. I am not a health professional, but I am a really good listener and someone with a real lived experience in this area. If you need someone professional to speak to, please see the show notes for more information. Please note this episode contains content about suicide and self-harm, and so it may upset certain listeners. If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me at bekindtoyourmindpodcast at gmail.com, or you can check out the Instagram page, bekindtoyourmindpodcast. All right, so welcome back everyone, episode three. I hope you've enjoyed the content in the first two episodes. Um, and a little bit of a shout out to both Kyle and Kelly for being one and two. They were um, genuinely received really well. I've had some beautiful feedback. So thank you all for, um, you know, downloading the podcast and, um, and, and putting it in your ear. <laughs> it's made me really happy. Thank you. Um, my guest on this third episode, though, is Honeybee. She's chosen to use a pen name on this podcast. She's 19 years old and she has struggled with depression for many years and found herself in situations that she just wanted to change. Um, So she then kind of reached out to her family and she talks to me about what that was like for her and how she's managed to, uh, you know, put that down in words as well so that she could, you know, write this book to share with us all. So she found healing through some really alternative ways that I really enjoyed hearing about. Um, And like I just mentioned, one of those ways was actually writing a book that is awaiting publishing. At such a young age, she has a lot of experiences with mental health to share with us all. And I am so glad that she decided to share it here with us on the podcast. Hello, honeybee, and welcome to the Be Kind to Mind podcast. How are you today? Hiya, I'm really good, thank you. Excellent, thank you so much for joining me. You are connecting with me all the way from Kent in the UK. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us. So you're um, an almost published author, you finished your book and um, uh, you're looking to publish this year hopefully, which is super awesome. So we're going to delve into a little bit about your book today. Well, and I see that you have a dog and I'm a big fan of... (laughs) A big fan of fur babies. So what kind of dog is Zion? Did I pronounce it right, Zion? He's Zion. Zion, and, um, okay. Yeah. And he's an Australian Labradoodle. Oh, really? Oh, Yeah, so actually from your home country. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's absolutely beautiful. And um, oh, I've seen him on your Instagram, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so he actually came in at a, like a bit of a hard time for me so he has been a huge kind of part of even like my recovery and everything yeah so he does definitely mean a lot to me I have that as well I've got I'm a cat lover so I've got cats in my <laughs> life um, and I love it because you feel uptight sometimes and just being able to sit with them and yeah they have such a chilled energy animal <laughs> yeah. but I guess I want everyone to sort of learn a little bit about you your story and your life experiences with mental health and wellness yeah um so 
so yeah, Kent is very much like the countryside of England. So um, we do live in a beautiful place, not too far away from beaches and that kind of thing. So uh, it's always been very, it's been a good like childhood. I have three older brothers. Um, but yeah, so I soon uh, struggled uh, not like maybe in so much a noticeable way, but I became kind of very insular in myself after a, like a traumatic event in my childhood. And it's something that I wouldn't talk about to anybody. I even tried to block it out of my mind completely. So I didn't even acknowledge it to myself. Um, trying to like get across just how bad things had come for me. But it's so it is so difficult to look someone in the face and say, I think about taking my life. So they couldn't see what was kind of going on. They just thought, oh, she's going through a bit of a blip at the moment. But like, if it will just <laughs> pick up kind of thing. If you'd actually take, I would say, a good uh, few months and for them to actually be told in very direct words, um, like actually how serious this had become um, and that was a bit I know it was like a, a shock for them at the time and but yeah I was kind of thinking in my head I was like I've tried to be told told telling you these things for ages <laughs> so um, it is it's difficult <laughs> yeah yeah so initially I would actually say um, so I initially so I went to the doctors um, and I feel like something that is actually quite easy, like where I am quite naturally to put on a good face, not to say how I actually feel. I feel like it took a good few appointments and months later, um, to even open up to the doctor. It actually, that I would say stopped me from getting the help that I really needed and it meant that I went really downhill very quickly um, because so initially it was just like yeah go and see therapy but the therapy's waiting lists are months and months and months. I wasn't actually getting the help even though I was trying to reach out for it so it did leave me to get into a very low state of mind where I there was a few days where if someone hadn't f called me that was the day that I was going to do it and so it was like I did I know that I did come very very close to committing suicide so at that point um, I reached out for the crisis team uh, locally and they were like amazing to like so they would come every single day and I feel like they their like presence even though there was a part of me that was feeling like this is a bit intrusive <laughs> um there was like their presence like really reassured me just like I they someone in your space yeah and just feel a bit um kind of supported yeah yeah and so they got me on the medication that i needed at the time and um kind of speeded everything all up for me which was and I get that uh, 
like the services are under a lot of pressure so sometimes it can actually be difficult it was still only like a few months ago that I was actually at that point so for me looking back I know that I've made like huge progress obviously that's down to medication down to therapy um but yeah I kind of like try and make myself realize where I've come from in such a short time by the sounds as well like yeah there's it's still very fresh for you I would gather you're still going through going through the process of healing so you talked about uh self-harm a little bit and one of the cool things that you told me earlier was that um instead of self-harm you decided to try henna can you talk to us a little bit through that because I feel like there's definitely going to be some people having a listen to this podcast that are feeling the same way as you so please share with us about the henna yeah um so for me um self-harm was hugely about symbolism it was so for me like I actually made my every scar mean something um some event in my life and some person so um like when I was trying to I was getting help from the crisis team and then my counsellor I um was like that saying these scars mean something to me so every time I see them fade I'm like no you can't go because I'm still dealing with all these things inside um so yeah I think it is is, it is something weird to actually say that I was comforted by them and like Mm. for me they acknowledged the pain that I had been through which was important so um it was so an idea actually from my counsellor and the thing is that I had tried quite a lot of things before I had got like the Calm Harm app Um, but for me even though I could like so I know writing helps lift my mood I know reading if I do a little bit of exercise but when I was in that bad place, the urge would always last longer than the activity. So no matter what I tried, I would still end up self-harming at some point. Um, okay. Yeah, so so there, uh, my counsellor came up with the idea of uh, henna tattoos. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they're very temporary. I was self-harming like once a week. So the fact that uh, they fade generally like week week and a half Mm -hmm. um is actually quite good because it for me it meant that I can keep doing it just like I would with self-harming so when I'm feeling in those low places I can actually do something that I can is visible to me I can do a design that symbolizes something to me and um and I feel like, so I actually, so I do it in all the places where I did self-harm. So it makes, I don't know, like, so seeing them, it's still acknowledging the mm. the pain. So for me, it's something that has been able to actually uh, equal what mm-hmm. self-harm okay. did for me. A good replacement for it. Yeah. But as I understand with self-harm, um, it's usually used because people want to feel a physical pain over a mental mm-hmm. one. Do you find 
like, is that the case for you as well? And if it is, how does the henna work in a replacement for you in that way? I would often self-harm on the days that I felt numb. Um, so it was, it was like to make me feel something. And obviously, um, henna doesn't, it doesn't hurt at all when you're doing it. Um, but I feel like just the simple fact that um, it's very visible to you, just like a scar would be, um, then for me that it, it does kind of, so I'm in a low place, I'm feeling a bit numb, but I can actually, I can still do something. And like even, um, I think, so you have like a little squeezy bottle Mm -hmm. you have to squeeze it really hard okay. to get the like henna out and so after like me doing like three tattoos I'm like my hands like and cramp it sounds like so, like you found the perfect mm. thing to continue to have that ritual so you're really just replacing um mm. you know and and I think that oh, I just love it I think it's awesome and you talk about that in your book as well yeah yeah the more people that know about that I think like that's mm. so so good now the other thing that you kind of wanted to touch on a little bit was about ptsd mm -hmm. um and how you all the tools that you use to to manage that currently yeah so i think the like the biggest like thing that came across to me um was um that ptsd often uh, the emotions that we get from that traumatic event get displaced in our mind mm -hmm. and so they either reflect on our view of ourselves or our view of other people so often like symptoms of PTSD is maybe being a bit mistrustful of others or um, not feeling that we deserve things for ourselves and um, me personally I had such low self-esteem and I had had that for such a long time that it almost felt like it was just like my personality. Um, and so like for me learning that actually that emotion came from that event, it has actually nothing to do with me. It is just because that happened, which is because of that event, but not about my life. Um, so, that was like huge for me to like separate it um for ptsd sufferers that would come up a lot yeah. what, a, what a great little tool to use yeah yeah i think that's really cool really really cool well let's um get on to chatting about your book now the book is called tbh which you yeah. tell me stands for to be honest and it is um a book about honesty with mental health issues which is kind of what the be kind to your mind podcast is all about. Yeah. <laughs> it ties in really nicely um maybe i can write a forward for you <laughs> you never <Yeah>. know <laughs> um so you finished this book now you are 19 you're 19 yeah. and you've written your first book already how long has it taken you to write it when did you start it um so it's actually not that long at all uh, so four months so oh, I started wow. um so it's 
like about 150 pages, 50,000 words. Yep. Um, and you're still looking for a publisher. So if anyone's listening out there, yeah, <laughs> knows a publisher, please get in contact. <laughs> and in fact, yeah. you have an Instagram page that people can go to and you're an illustrator as well. And your, um, your sketches and your drawings are absolutely beautiful. Um, but everyone can find you at honeybee underscore TBH on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and they can check you out and send you messages and I guess wait to see when they can get your book. Yeah. Talk us through the process of writing the book. I'd love to know how it came about, what made mm. you start writing it. Um, I feel like it seemed like it was flowing really easy for you if it only yeah. took four months to do. So, yeah. I loved writing as a child, but I very quickly, so apart from like essays at school and things, I very quickly just said almost, like, I don't have time for that. Um, so my life changed and was like just about, uh, again, meeting other people's expectations, my busy work schedule. And so I didn't have time for the things that I actually enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so a huge part of like, so that when I, um, so I did, I took time off work when I was going really downhill and um, I started to pick up writing and for me like it did it just flowed out of me every um, like opportunities often um, so with my depression I the first couple of months I had insomnia then I had I was oversleeping um, and then it went back to not sleeping again um, so often it was written at night <laughs> um, and so like I would it would just be flowing all like up until four o'clock in the morning I'd be like going through little bits and it really was just for me initially I was just like I know I need to get these things out so whatever happens like I, it's still good for me just to um, express them so but I knew that like I was like the one thing like so as a child I would like fantasize about wow having a book that was published how how amazing that would be um yeah so I I think I would always say author when someone said what do you want to be when you grow up (laughs) yeah so um yeah so the fact that I was like you know that would be amazing and for me it was it would also be something very much that was for myself I wasn't doing it for anyone else Mm -hmm. this was my voice this was me getting out how I feel and I wouldn't say I'm that easy to talk like that openly generally Mm -hmm. um so for me the book is my voice that I can't like that I can't often get out in words um who do you think that book's for now though who are your who are your readers at the moment the people that have read it are like my family members and um I think it is hugely for family members of people who suffer with depression excellent um I know that like my family especially so my mum would absolutely have loved to have something like my book because she wanted more than anything to understand but it's it's very difficult if you haven't experienced those things um and 
I, so the bit about um, people, I do kind of outline ways that aren't so good to support someone and ways that are. Um, and then also, obviously, for the person that is depressed, like I remember my initial reason for writing it, actually, I was reading a book at the time just before so my confusion like when I was really bad I couldn't read I couldn't write I couldn't do anything mm -hmm. but just before that period I was reading a book and uh, the book the person in the book had depression and there was just like a few sentences that like perfectly like got how I was feeling at the time and I could really relate to it and it, no it didn't change the situation but it did like just felt made me feel a lot more like a bit comforted by it and so it's also for the people who are suffering at the moment because to actually say yeah i feel that like to, to those feelings because sometimes the most important thing is actually acknowledging how we are feeling it's a, it's been a very common theme in the podcast that i've done i've got mm. to be honest where people say that they're wanting to share their stories so that they can show support the kind of thing they didn't have when they were going through mm. and i think it's so lovely it makes me have a lot of hope for our world when there's so many people that are keen to share their experience and put their you know put their hand out and say i can help you because i didn't mm. have help um, mm. which is the whole basis of this entire podcast series. Uh, the things that actually helped you get through your own barriers from your psychologist. And you've used that in your book as well to base this on, you mm. know, actual, um, real life experiences by you. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. What was like one of the things that you highlighted that helped you the most, do you think? It is like a huge one, obviously, self-care. <laughs> um, but I do, I talk a lot about that at the end of the book. And for me, I would say, I think there is a stigma around self-care as well. Mm. Um, for me, like I would say, I, I kind of thought it as selfish. Um, <laughs> like I, like, and how I viewed it, I kind of viewed it as uh, someone like a girl painting their nails, making themselves feel good. And for me, growing up with three brothers, that just wasn't me. <laughs> so I was like, oh, so that's just not applicable to me. Um, but self-care is so, so much more than that. Self-care will be like personalised to every single person because it's about what makes your soul feel good. <laughs> Yeah, um, favorite things isn't it whether it's yeah um you know doing absolutely nothing that's a really good yeah. thing for a lot of people taking a yeah. walk doing exercise brushing yeah. hair, like it could be anything to make you feel good you know it doesn't have to be expensive or long mm. like it doesn't have to take a lot of time but you know yeah. if you just put a little effort into doing something that you really want to do that you put off so yeah it is really i am a massive self-care advocate and mm. i believe that we forget about it. I was one of those people. I always put everybody else before me, yeah. always. And it was one of the things that just sent me into, you know, anxiety and depression just really mm. time in my life because everyone else's problems were far more important. And as my psychologist said to me, you know, it's like you, you're a savior. You want to save everybody, but you need to save yourself first. But um, 
that was when I started to learn about self-care and actually saw how different that could be. And for me at that time, it was just getting in the car on my own and going for a drive and it could just yeah. get around the block, but it just meant being on my own and not having yeah. to argue or, you know, whatever it was that was bringing me down at the time. So mm. yeah, big fan of self-care. And um, another great thing for self-care is reading books, yeah. <laughs> which is a great thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Back to your book. You told me that you basically set it up into four parts. Yeah, so initially it's about um, so depression. Mm -hmm. um, and I break it down into lots of lots of little subjects, so almost about like 30. And it goes through, I feel like a lot of people would actually struggle, like the general public, to say what is depression, <laughs> to answer that question, because like before I experienced it I knew people who were depressed and I was quite close to them but I don't I like I will try and think back like what did I actually think that it was I feel like um people feel like it is just maybe just a bit of like a low patch I feel like that is often what people think of it but like it is so often so much more than that and so like that section really just tries to like take you through every little bit that someone would experience you're giving the reader a view of what it actually looks like for the person suffering yeah wow okay. so because a lot of it was actually especially that part was actually written at some of my lowest points um <laughs> and so it was like it was when i was feeling it so when I was going through something and I um, like just had to get it out. One of like the biggest um, subjects for me um, was, so I've got one chapter about losing all. And it's a bit of a funny word or, but um, for me at the point where I was, when I was in like my darkest point, like a lot of the self-care things I would try and it wouldn't get that same effect <laughs> because like so like so with my dog I take my dog for a walk every day and in those dark points I, I it was almost like I couldn't actually feel that feeling of respect for what the beauty around me and I feel the reason for that is because like we've been hurt by emotional pain and it's almost like we're now blocking off even the good things in our life and so we just we don't have that same feeling that even now I can appreciate so much better than I did at that point and so for someone else to actually understand that is what that person's going through I remember so sometimes at that dark point my mum would come on the walks with me and she'd be like look at that look at that look at that how beautiful is that yeah. and I was like I can't feel that at the moment um and that so it's trying to give someone that understanding mm. um of what it is actually like to go through that so that so people can better support people who do suffer I, so I work in, in a disability employment, so I talk to my clients every day and I spoke to a client a couple of weeks ago and I said to him, how are you coping? And he, and he said, you know, 
um, not that great. And I said, are you remembering to go out and take a walk? Because that always makes us mm. better. I'm doing yeah. that on the weekends as well. And he said, yeah, he goes, but you know what, Rach? He's like, it's boring. It's the same stuff <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Hang on a minute. <laughs> I said, is it boring or is it that you're only noticing the same things all the time? So I set him a task and I'm like, for this week's, you know, uh, self-care and self-motivation task, I want you to, you know, notice five new things. Um, mm. That deflection thing, concentrating on something else that's yeah. taking you away from whatever's troubling your mind. My partner and I went for a walk a couple of weeks ago and we walked past a, a, an abandoned lot where they, you know, were meant to build a house, but they haven't. And there's a big metal fence up and everything. But growing like out of the fence and against all the odds was this big, beautiful peach rose bush that was probably, mm. you know, 40 years ago, someone's prized mm. rose in their front garden. Yeah. It's just kind of like this beauty in a mesh of... Kept going, yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, for me, I take note of things like that. And I and I thought to myself that that's a sign right there that yeah. there's beauty in everything. Yeah. Because it's such yeah. a cliche thing to say, right? Yeah. One of, like, I would say the major reasons why I had depression was because I truly believed I am not good enough. And so, and so there is, so yeah, I have the section of my book about people, the cliches. So there's a chapters like things will get better and people saying it's the weather. <laughs> so I had a lot of people say it's the weather and um yeah so and just like also also the people that were there for me and what they did that meant they were able to support me mm -hmm. and so I kind of go through all of those kind of things um and in the next like this is like the mini section on heartbreak um so it's something that I like experienced and was kind of the trigger for when I had depression. Um, I now look at it as almost like a mini reason why, because I realized the whole lifestyle before was also a major part of it. Um, but I talk about um, like unconditional love in that little section. And for me with the saying, I'm not good enough. You are placing like a condition on your love of self, um, because you're saying because you didn't do this, I now don't love you, and so that was like revolutionary for me um, to say I actually should place no conditions on my love of self, even if I didn't do what I wanted to do, even if I didn't achieve that. That's okay because. I'm not going to take away my love for myself. And I think it's only when what I kind of realized is that although, yes, I would say that I've always been kind of unconditionally loving of other people, it would never be completely healthy if it didn't start with me. Um, so that was kind of like my biggest like discovery, I would say. And um, then in that section, I also talk about the feeling of um, being damaged goods. <laughs> so I think like even so for me, like the fact that I've self-harmed, I've almost committed suicide, I kind of view like how will people view me from now on? Like, will I be labeled by that? And um, 
I kind of like have just kind of adjusted my thinking to the fact that well I would only want to be with people that would truly respect me for everything that I am and everything that I've been through and my partner actually has taught me that when I first met him I thought he had the biggest ego ever (laughs) I was like I can't even handle this it doesn't fit but as I learned as time went on it was actually him trying to um, project you know uh, away from his mental health issues to a place of positivity and to go I am wonderful I am great I am good and that constant mm-hmm. reminder you start to believe it and I was nowhere in that space at that time mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah and then so in the last section of my book um, it's like entitled moving on but for me like when I was writing that, I kind of talk a bit about, like, in my mind, whenever I thought about moving on, getting, like, recovering from depression, it, for me, it just was like, well, that's never going to happen. Like, and when you're in that place, you do genuinely think that, like, every time I thought about the future, it just overwhelms me to start panicking, anxiety attacks. So for me, like, a huge, huge part of like my recovery, I would say, is the fact that I have decided as and that to train my mind to live in the moment. Um, because I I love like this little quote um, that I do quote in the book. I think it says something like, "If you're living in the past, you have depression. If you're living in the future, you have anxiety. If you live in the present, you have peace." <laughs> so um yeah and for me that was everything I would dredge up my past and I would be anxious about the future and so I was like wait is this moment am I safe in this moment is this um is there any uh, overwhelming problems in this moment if not I can feel calm you know like on when I'm like going for walks now I really try and notice when my mind just like wanders off and is just going again in the future I'm imagining something and I'm like wait I'm in a beautiful place (laughs) let me just take in what is around me right now and I'd say something that's hugely helped me um with that is the headspace app um Mm -hmm. yeah I so I've just used every like little free trial I can on there and um uh, the app for my sleep was amazing and it's the only thing that has been able to get me into a good pattern and yeah just like I think that for me has become a huge self-care thing it's taking out that time where you're actually doing nothing mm-hmm. and um I feel like I do talk a little bit about that you know for us doing nothing is like picking up our phone checking all our social media because like we always try and occupy ourselves but actually taking like 10 minutes five minutes out of your day and just sitting there breathing exercises is really good for our minds yeah yeah so that's been a huge thing Mm, yeah I totally agree and it's um I don't know about you but I enjoy meditation and a lot of the time I do it 
um, to get me into sleep as well. So I'll, yeah. I'll listen to a 20-minute meditation and hopefully fall asleep during that. Yeah. Um, and I do prefer guided meditations because then there's a voice and I don't I yeah. on the tone and the voice and my breath rather mm. than my thoughts. Um, yeah. I keep myself awake late at night because I know I won't be able to go to sleep if I'm not ready to drop off straight away. So if, like if you experience things like that, rather than staying up till midnight or 1am like I do, um, trying to have a really good meditation or even white noise. To wind you down, yeah. Yeah. I've um, recently discovered the nighttime sounds on my, um, on like my Google hub. Yeah. I have it when I go, when I go to bed, I'm like play night sounds and it's like um, thunderstorms or crickets. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool too. It's nice and soothing. Whatever makes you feel, you know, relaxed. And and I'm terrible with my phone. I will look at my phone right before I close my eyes to go to sleep. I have a lot of work to do on my sleep hygiene, but it is really important. Um, I get told it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our downfalls. Yeah. Oh, so that well, that and so that was was that the last bit in the book? Did we? Yeah, so yeah, that's got like lots of little, it's basically everything that has helped me to get to where I am today. I love it. And yeah, like there is one quote that I'd love to share. So it's actually from uh, Jim Carrey. um, And this was the quote that like really hit home to me the most. Um, So it's just, so it says, depression is your body saying I don't want to be this character anymore I don't want to hold up this avatar that you've created in the world it's too much for me and then he said uh, you should think of the word depressed as rest deep rest your body needs to be depressed it needs deep rest from the character that you've been trying to play and like for me that was the major reason why I had depression was that I was trying to hold up my character of who I should be. It is Sorry. Just, exhausting. It's a hundred. I love that. Yeah, quote. exactly. But it is exhausting. And that's why we end up. Yeah. That one. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, the last little bit of my book is entitled deep rest. Um, like, and I feel like I do, I really did need. So yeah. Okay. I took time off work. I, have a history now of self-harm of suicidal feelings so no that isn't the nicest of subjects but to me like maybe I did (laughs) I needed to go through some of those processes to actually figure out what I actually want in my life and to realize that this is my life (laughs) yeah Yeah. I I 100% agree with it I I don't I've been through um, a lot that I would never wish anyone to go through in life but Mm. Yeah. I've also downplayed it myself because it's easier. But when I tell people snippets of my life, they look at me in horror and think, oh, okay, yeah, I guess it's not, <laughs> it's not everyone's <laughs> cup of tea. I forget that it's not normal, inverted commas. Um, how close are you to getting a publisher? Because we want to read this book. <laughs> yeah, so at the moment, so I'm looking for an agent because... I feel like that's, I would like to go through the traditional yep. uh, way. So yeah, it all does take quite a long time. They say, give us like four weeks. So you've got it out there. So yeah, I've got it all out there. Um, so it's just kind of a little bit of a waiting period. Um, but yeah, I, 
I'm like 100% going to, <laughs> I'm determined to make sure that it gets on the shelf for, so that people can hopefully be helped by. Have you done illustrations for your book yourself? So I haven't. Um, I kind of have a rough idea what I'd like it to look like the cover and everything. Um, but for like, that's like a, another thing. Like, so before having depression, I never, I would have told you I can't draw to save my life. <laughs> um, because simply because I never actually gave myself the time to do that. And so if it was only in this period that I've been able to make, I absolutely love portraits. So I've was just like, okay, I'm just going to try it, just see what I do. And after a few bit of practice, I am able to make ones that I'm actually really proud of. So that's, I think like a huge thing. Like I feel like sometimes we don't allow ourselves to like explore our passions. Like we just tell, ourselves like oh I don't have time for hobbies and things like that but they're actually so important for just keeping us going mentally it's kind of like this podcast for me because I've always wanted to do some kind of writing mm. podcasting and um a lot of people have said to me you know you need to get your thoughts down on paper and I mm. thought oh, I'm not I've never really been a writer but for some reason always for like the last 10 15 years of my life people have asked me when I'm writing, is it a book? Is it a magazine? And I'm like, Oh, I just, it doesn't seem like me. It's weird that everyone says mm. that. And, you know, I got really stuck into podcasts about two years ago and I thought, I think that's my jam because I talk yeah. too much. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it seems to suit my personality a lot. Better. But um, yeah. And so this is just a hobby, obviously, but um, it's a really good hobby to have. And it does keep me busy every night at the moment while I'm chatting to people. Yeah. I'm learning so much. And actually one of the things I have discovered is that so many people are ex experiencing the same thing, which to be honest, yeah. I didn't think that was going to be the way, but they truly are. Um, hey, it has been an absolute pleasure talking. <laughs> I almost don't want to yeah. stop. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at my page going, what else can we chat about? <laughs> um, it's been really lovely. Is there anything that you need to, to leave with today, that, a message you wanted to share with everybody? Um, yeah, just uh, like to really keep going with being honest I, like so many of us we feel like we need to like shroud everything over but I feel like if you actually say things how it is I feel like we will be surprised by like how many people can relate to us and that then reassurance that we get from actually just being completely ourselves not having to hide any part of ourselves so I feel like that is such a huge part um, of learning in our life <laughs> that we can, it is okay to be me. Um, yeah. 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 Definitely. Thank you so, so much. I'm, Thank uh, you. I'm, I, yeah, I'm in awe of you and I really can't read <laughs> your book. So please Thank you so much. UK publisher and yeah. <laughs> Gorgeous Girls work and, and get it in print for us all to read. Um, and of course I would love to catch up with you, uh, when that happens. Yeah, that'd be lovely. All right. Thank you so much. Honey. Thank you so much. And we'll chat to you really soon. Take yeah. Care. Thank you. Bye. 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 Okay, so coming up next, we're going to have mental health moments with Gareth. Um, you guys also told me how much you loved this segment, so it was really sweet. Thank you for the positive feedback. Um, we do love to have a bit of a laugh and a natter, and um, 
you know, I do have a lot of joy in my conversations with Gareth because I end up learning a lot. <clears throat> so today we get to talking about um, animals. We will officially start talking about how two fur babies, Fern and Gary. And yeah, so this is what it sounded like. Hello, darling. Hello. How are you today? I am fair to reasonable. Fair to reasonable. I like that answer. That's yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, you wanted to have a little chat today about what we like to call in this house our mind cats. We have two cats, Fern and Gary. Gary's 13, Fern's one and a bit. They're both shelter cats. They are. And... More specifically, Gary, I think, and that's why we got Fern. But we've had Gary for, I've had Gary for four or five, six years. I can't remember, I lose count now. But you've known him for a little over two and a half. Uh-huh. And he was coined your mind cat. They, they both enrich my life in a big way. You were never a cat person before you met me, no, though. No, You are like, ugh. And then you met Gary. And honestly, for those people who have met Gary... He's like a little human in cat form, isn't he? I love Gary. He's pretty cool. Gary is awesome. What kind of comfort did he bring you? Like, because when we first met and you met Gary, you were actually sort of in a manic episode at that point with your bipolar. So, like, how did that help you having an an animal? Because you previously had dogs in your life, right? I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that animals, pets, you know... uh, having a companion in way of an animal can actually reduce your blood pressure Mm. it can um make you a bit more positive it can give you purpose can give you a bit of direction and goal setting responsibility as i said you know i think these things have been great well you're you're like the best cat dad out there really because you work but um only short short hours every day so i'm out at work every day in your home with them in the middle of the day like caring yeah, for I them get all the fun bits you do and 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 i think i think that's outside of work that you love i think that's one of the the your favorite things is really caring for them yeah because they bring you so much comfort and joy and we always check in don't we when i when i have a chat to you during the day i'll say how are the cats yes they're they're our children really we probably talk about the cats more than we talk about each other our relationship with the cats is a one it really is but they bring us so much joy and they do they do and i think you know just having a companion can be great it's not for everyone obviously i understand that but Here's something I'm going to throw out to you. Mm. When you're having a moment of anxiety, this is um, saying personally about me, when I have a moment of anxiety, sitting next to Gary and putting my hand on him and feeling his breath up and down and when he's purring that, it's a constant, it like calms me. Yeah. And I don't know if you've never had a pet and I don't, I've I've never really had a dog. I don't know whether dogs, I know dogs don't purr, obviously, but I don't know whether their breathing calms you as well. But having that sense of like joining in with another heartbeat and another like to feel the breath so that we can come back to our own breath. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it can be really helpful. That's, That's definitely, there's a lot of research around that. And so when you go to hospital as well, because you go a couple of times a year for some treatment, Mm -hmm. um, they bring in 
uh, dogs, don't they? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. To tell us they bring in mind dogs. Mind so dogs. there's a, a organisation called Mind Dog who um, help people uh, with assistance animals, mm-hmm. psychiatric assistance animals, or um, uh, dogs for the blind. Yeah, these sorts of things. Um, and yeah, they 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 bring in they bring in an animal every Sunday. And for that hour, I'd say 90% of the hospital are all in one room hmm. playing with the dog. So it brings everyone together as it well. Does. How cool is that? It does. And even the people who are really struggling, it can just take them away from their own sort of uh, struggle for a short period of time. You know, yeah. and I think that's why they do it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it, it's a great thing. It, it, it it really works. So we're big supporters of um, rescuing animals over like pet shops or even breeders. And uh, I guess our hot tip today is if you, um, you know, need a little companion to help you relax a little bit while you're, you're stuck at home with COVID or even just, you know, in general, if you spend a lot of time at home with your, your, your own thoughts and get a little pet someone you can talk to have a chat maybe it may may enrich your life yeah all right good chat doll thank you speak to you next time (laughs) thank you all again so much for listening today that was episode three and i really hope you're able to gain um you know some tips from honeybee Um, maybe have a little bit of a laugh along with Gareth and I, but really feel, you know, a little bit more comfortable, um, you know, hearing and chatting about mental health. If you'd like to be on the show, please email me or you can go to the Instagram page and fill out the form and the link in guest application. If you like the show though, as always, I'm going to ask, please give me a five star rating so we can start spreading the word further and tell your friends and family all about the podcast because the more people who hear our stories, the more equality we can gain around mental health. If you're struggling today, I see you. Keep going because tomorrow is a brand new day. Until next time, friends, take care and don't forget to be kind to your mind.